ask God's blessing and prayer. So, Lord, I love you and I thank you. And I thank you that your mercy is made new every morning. And I confess that your faithfulness is great and it's great in me and it's great in every person that's here. So uh, please, Lord, give us your heart on these things and on the family, on moms and dads and children in the church and we who follow your son. Please bless right now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so last Sunday, we really focused in on this teaching from Proverbs that we have eyes and that the Lord God has made both the ear and the eye to have discerning hearing and discerning vision to see and understand what's going on around us. So today's going to be a little bit of part two, and I want to finish off essentially uh, big, big ideas from the text of Scripture last Sunday. So as, as you're aware, God has called us to be the light of the world, and he's called us to be the salt of the earth. And salt has to get out of the shaker. Otherwise, the salt is essentially useless. And so, like Christians, we have got to get out of the shaker. Our candles have to be placed where people can see them. Otherwise, we literally are of no benefit. So, in review from last Sunday, 2712, a prudent person sees evil and hides himself, hides herself. But the naive proceed, and they pay the penalty. It's like they, they ignore the warning signs. They ignore the indicators. Um, I'm moved deeply by Ezekiel 33. I remember years ago in college writing a, a real big paper on Ezekiel 34, which had a huge impact on my life. In Ezekiel 33, God is speaking to Ezekiel and says, Now, as for you, son of man, God, God called Ezekiel son of man. As for you, son of man, I have appointed you as a watchman for the house of Israel. So you will hear a message from my mouth and give them a warning from me. Boy, if there's ever a passage of scripture that applies to a preacher, there it is. There it is. My, my duty, my obligation is to be a man broken before God that I hear from God and I am able to simply say, this is what God has told me and I'm giving you the message. Uh, whether, that's an, whether that message is in the form of a warning or in the form of encouragement, that is my job. Now, I don't want to make preachers out of you all. I don't think you want that task. Um, it's, it's, an, it's a unique burden. It's, it's an incredible thing and it's an exhausting thing all at the same time. No surprise there. But I don't want you to miss, especially uh, men, can I appeal to you, men? And those online, please, let me appeal to you. Um, men, there is a unique calling, I believe, on a man because of the wiring that God has given us to be protectors. And I think to be a good protector, you've got to be a good watchman. Okay? We've got to be good watchmen as men. We've got to pay attention. So our culture is full of tension right now. More tension than, than, than this young man has seen in a long time. So I want to show you guys a video. David's going to get it queued up about the tension between Representative Gregory Stubbe and then a comment that is made at the end by Jerry Nadler. All right. Now, now, now hold on here. Hit tap the break with me. We're, I'm not trying to sell a position on this video. I'm trying, you to, trying to get you to see in, live, kinda, in a live way, real tension in our culture, real tension that we cannot ignore if we're watchmen, if we're followers of the way of Jesus. So go ahead, David. It's real short too, like a minute and a half. to act out or take on a sexual identity different from the one biologically assigned by God at birth. In his wisdom, God intentionally made each individual uniquely either male or female. When men or women claim to be able to choose their own sexual identity, they are making a statement that God did not know what he was doing when he created them. I'm going to quote directly from Dr. Tony Evans' commentary Bible on this passage of Scripture. Men and women equally share in bearing the image of God, but he has designed them to be distinct from and complementary toward one another. 
gender confusion that exists in our culture today is a clear rejection of God's good design. Whenever a nation's laws no longer reflect the standards of God, that nation is in rebellion against him and will inevitably bear the consequences. Gentlemen, the house will be in order. Gentlemen, I'm going to read that line again. Whenever a nation's laws no longer reflect the standards of God, that nation is in rebellion against him and will inevitably bear the consequences. And I think we are seeing the consequences of rejecting God here in our country today. And this bill speaks directly against what is laid out in Scripture. Our government, through this bill, is going to redefine what a woman is and what a man is. It can be anyone who identifies in that gender. Mr. Stubbe, what any religious tradition ascribes as God's will is no concern of this Congress. Thank you. Okay. Tension. Tension. Yeah. Great. Is that in Florida or the, the capital in D.C.? That's in D.C. That, in D.C. Yes, sir. All right. In D.C. Okay. You too. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I am so glad I'm not working this soundboard right now, okay? I am so glad. By the way, guys, thanks. There's a million buttons back there, and, and I... Usually know where the power button is, assuming it's, it's daylight. So thank you, guys. So glad to see all of you here. It means so very, very much. And I want us to really weigh in on this. Um, we, are, we are in a massive cultural shift right now. And the change is so profound, what we're going through. And uh, let me give you an example of cultural stress and change. This is a timeline of the fall of Venezuela. Just scan it real quick. Scan it real quick. Sources, Reuters, BBC, PBS, and the FEE. Okay, now let me click it over one more time. I just want to point out a couple things. That it's interesting that in 07, Chavez intentionally does not allow the renewing of the license of RCTV's uh, media company. Essentially, that one gesture, Justin takes over the entire media system of Venezuela, a nation of 300 million people. With that one gesture, Chavez now owns the media exclusively. Why did he do that, you ask? Because they began to feature things on TV that were uh, oppositional and not supportive of Chavez. And so he shut him down. Okay, 2012 gun confiscation. They passed a law called the Control of Arms, Munitions, and Disarmament Law uh, there actually was, there was a recorded testimony of Venezuelans saying, we regret that. Because once, that, once we complied, we realized that we are now unarmed and we cannot show any resistance at all. And they said they regret fighting at, for that one issue in 2012. By 2017, things are falling apart. Food shortages by 2017... Or rather, 2015, 2016, by the way, the average Venezuelan loses 19 pounds of body weight because there's so much food shortage. And they're, they're routing through trash to find food. 2017, the Supreme Court of Venezuela bans an opposition leader from participating in an election. 2019, and this, by the way, happens a lot, blocking aid not only from the U.S. but other countries, Blocking that aid, getting into their borders when people have medical needs and food needs. Fascinating. There's tension, lots and lots of tension. And how do we live in this world? The first thing I want to tell you is I think we need to repent. The scriptures, I agree with Peter, the scriptures teach us that judgment begins at the house of God. It doesn't begin with judgment on D.C. It doesn't begin 
with judgment of Hollywood. It doesn't begin with judgment in New York. It begins, according to the Apostle Peter, with the house of God. And that means Christ church. That means first church and second and third church and new hope and no hope church and all those churches and everything and all, all the denominations. The judgment begins at the house of God. I think that, that that phrase is significant. You know, God, forgive us for being seated at the kind of table that your son Jesus would turn over. When we, when we claim to follow the way of Jesus and then and, and we, we condemn the world and yet there's no functional difference between us and the world, uh, we are a major part of the problem. Our light isn't shining. The salt is not out of the shaker. We are not followers of Jesus at that point. We should be... We should present ourselves as being peculiar, curious people because we don't blend in. We don't. And we can't find a seat at the table, the kind of table Jesus would turn over. So what's our response to these things? If we're going to have a seeing eye and a hearing ear and we're going to be watchmen, watch women, we're going to be discerning of the times like the sons of Ishkar, what are we going to do? Here are some things. And I'm giving this as very practical, practical information for you to consider. Um, if you want to be a part of trying to reverse the cultural tide toward radical liberalism, the radical left agenda, here's some ways to do that. Uh, I ask you to get a screenshot of that. Um, think it through. By the way, I, I really wrestled whether or not I should put up the NRA logo there. <laughs> and and uh, if I offend you in putting the NRA logo up, uh, my intent was not to offend, and I certainly am not trying to, you know, to hurt your feelings or something. But um, our, our current president has made it very clear that he's coming after the guns, very clear. And I think that this is a good time to fight back. It's a good time. If they go bump, we go bump back. We push back in the night. We are not afraid. And let me tell you why. I, um, and I have wrestled through this. You know, there's, you know, is Jesus a pacifist? Are his followers pacifist? Are we actionists? Do we get into, you know, uh, these are really critical issues that we almost think about profoundly. But what I do want you to know that in Luke's gospel, chapter 22, verses 35 to 38, Jesus says, and I'm summarizing, men, when I sent you out on the mission trip and I told you not to take anything, did you lack anything? And they said, no. He said, from now on, when you go out on your mission trip, I want you to take a bag of money, an extra cloak. I want you to take a staff. I want you to go out that way. And by the way, if you don't have a sword... Sell what you have and buy one. Jesus said, sell what you have and buy one. One of the disciples, we don't know who it is. Maybe it's Peter. And he said, Lord, we have two. And Jesus said, that's enough. Why would he do that? Why would Jesus do that? I think after I have worked through the text, my, my process leads to this idea that it is about self-defense. Peter, possibly one of the owners of this, one of the swords, when things, when things got really, really tense, he pulls the sword and uses it offensively, and Jesus says, stop. And I am absolutely there. We do not arm ourselves for the purpose of offense. We arm ourselves for the purpose of defense. Okay. And I think that there's biblical grounds for that. There are other parables that Jesus uses when he talks about when someone secures his home, locked doors, things like this that are very important. Um, the, Ameri the, the Family Council of Little Rock, it's a great, great thing to be a part of. The Heritage Foundation, for those of you that are prone to academics, please consider the Heritage Foundation. Some of the, the best uh, historians and philosophers uh, are, are featured at this, this agency, 
and will help you with some of these things. Uh, Families Research Council is fantastic. Family Life, uh, Randy and Nedra represent Family Life. Focus on the family. There's lots of agencies, ministries, and organizations we can be a part of to uh, learn how to be uh, uh, salt in, in light in our culture. Now, I wanted to include this because this is absolutely essential. Uh, the ultimate work of light and the ultimate work of salt in, the culture, in our culture is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel, okay? This is what distinguishes us from everybody else. Jesus Christ. We believe, I believe, that Jesus did not lie when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. I believe that with all my heart. I have settled that issue. I do not believe he is one of many ways. I believe he is the only way. And that is something I will never compromise on. So you have, you have ministries like the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Uh, you've got Open Doors. The Bible Project is fantastic. So if you have a friend that is, is, is curious about Christianity, take them to the Bible Project and let them watch these little four-minute, five-minute, seven-minute videos to help them understand the message of the New Testament. It's great. The Gospel Coalition has great resources about the gospel. Crew, which is the big, big umbrella ministry that Family Life is under. Great resources. Uh, Bill Bride started that. Uh, Navigators. Now, two sites that are really geared for apologetics, which is the ability to give an intellectual defense for your faith, are CARM and Got Questions. CARM is the Christian Apologetic and Research Media. Great site. I've used it many, many times. Um, I want you to, to avail yourselves to those things, okay? All right, wisdom. You ready? We're going to shift gears now and move into the idea that particularly fathers, but fathers and mothers, in the influence they have in passing faith and, and wisdom on to the next generation. So today's going to focus on wisdom and parents and children. All right, here we go. Proverbs 4, 1 and 2. Listen, my sons, to the instruction of a father and pay attention so that you may gain understanding. For I give you good teaching. Do not abandon my instruction. All right. That is Solomon teaching the men of Israel and his own biological sons to listen to his instruction. By the way, the scriptures commit us to listen to the teaching of our mother. My son, comply in vindication, my daughter. Comply with the commandment of your father and do not ignore the teaching of your mother. All right. If we are going to be people of wisdom, men and women of wisdom, it is up to us to teach our children. All right. I have done student ministry for years, when I was an adjunct professor at Williams Baptist College, now Williams Baptist University, I actually taught courses on a biblical model for family ministry and student ministry, among other courses that I taught there. And I'm telling you when, you, when you search the scriptures, it's very, very clear that the best youth pastor a, a child or a teenager will ever have is mom and dad. Mom and dad. It's not some cool kid that just popped out of college or decided he wanted to have fun with teenagers. It's not some cool person that knows how to play the guitar and wants to lead sixth graders or something like that. That has its place, absolutely. But I'm talking about if we're going to get kids ready for the long haul of adult life. By the way, adolescence is a small, small slice of your lifespan. Do you know that? 13 to 17, 13 to 18-ish. And the church may have you from age 10 to about age 16, maybe. That's a small chunk of life, right? And to think that in that small slice of life, some youth director with a great heart is going to get you ready for adulthood? No, not going to happen. You can try. She can try, you know. 
There is nothing that replaces the influence of a godly father and a godly mother. Okay? Nothing. Now, here's some tension. Uh, Can, can we be selfish for just a moment and admit some of our struggles? Anybody go to Chick-fil-A and find yourself a little bit put out that they're not fast enough for you? <laughs> you know, thank you for laughing. You know, It's like that is the most efficient food service line in the U.S. It's amazing, right? And we get so used to a level of excellence in food service that we're like, I, I just want to go back to go through the line one more time. It is so amazing how they do that. And they always say, my pleasure to serve you. You're like, well, I love you too. And it's just an amazing thing, you know, and you go to Chick-fil-A, right? And then the one time their app doesn't work right. Oh, again, we have waited three and a half minutes. Oh, I, my blood pressure is going up, you know. <laughs> we can be a little greedy, can't we? We can be pretty selfish, pretty immature if we admit it. You know what? We take that idea and we drop it on the church and we say, you know what? I'm so sick and tired of my kids. I don't want to teach them anymore at home. I don't even want to pray at the dinner table when it's supper time. I'm going to hand them off to the church and the church will fix them. And it's like, okay, here's the contract. All right. He's 12 and we know what's about to happen with the androgens. So we're going to sign him over to you. Okay. And then we'll pick him up when he's 18 and we trust you, church, you can do an awesome job. And, and then at 18, the wheels fall off. And then we go, it's the church's fault. We trusted that youth guy, that youth gal, the whole committee. Oh, it's bad, you know. The church is failing our children. church is failing our teenagers. God never designed a pastor or a youth pastor or a youth committee to be the person or team that teaches children, Christian children, the gospel of Jesus. Never has been. Never has been. Listen, my sons, to the instruction of a father and pay attention so that you gain understanding. For I give you good teaching. I have a lousy attitude, but I give you good teaching. Or I give you good teaching, just don't do what I do. I give you good teaching because I got this little book thing in the mail. I'm not sure what it's about, but I'm, I'm going to give it to you. you know? Something is predicated. There's some things that are assumed in the background that this father is already a God seeker. This father has already set his heart on a course that he's going to chase hard after God. This mother, this woman is going to go hard after God and take seriously the words of Jesus and pour herself over Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Or he's going to pour himself over Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John so that he, she can teach from their own hearts, which is the attractive thing, by the way. It's the attractive thing. To a child, what comes from the heart of a mom, what comes from the heart of a mom, and attractive in both a positive way or a negative way. That that is the person that brings the truly good teaching, and and so good that that this mom, this dad can say, you know what? I know you're not going to abandon my instructions because you know there's the heart of Jesus is bound up in it. Um, how about this one? In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence, and his children will have refuge. Don't raise your hands. Those online. Um, do you have a dad you can go run into? Is your dad the place of refuge? One translation says a strong tower. When there's a dad, and of course by implication among, when there's a dad that fears God, He has confidence about it. And his children have safety in his dad's confidence and in his dad's fear of God. A man who doesn't fear God, feigning humility might say, well, son, uh, I kind of don't know, but I think maybe 
this is it, but I can't force myself on you, so you kind of, okay, want you to figure it out, and whatever you do, I'll be supportive. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence, and his children will have refuge. Men and those online, me, am I the man, are you the man that your kids find safe? And your kids can turn to you because your confidence is so attractive. It's powerful. Because at your core, you fear God. And you don't want to sit at a table that he would turn over. These two here are important. Grandchildren are the crown of the old and the glory of sons is their fathers. Uh, Dads, there's something about you that a little boy looks up to you and says, there's something glorious about you, daddy. You're big and you're strong and you're mighty and all these things. And there's something about your strong arms and that loving heart. Grandchildren are the crown of the old You should see Lisa light up when Phoebe runs full on at her to smack into her legs and she might call her mom-ups or or grandmommy or whatever mumbles. We don't speak Jawa at our house, so we're not quite sure what Phoebe's saying. But anyway, she's, she's really, really happy to see Lisa and Lisa's really happy to see her. Grandchildren of the crown of the old and the glory of sons is their father. Man, to be the dad that your child is proud of. How cool is that? Train up a child in the way he should go, she should go. And even when he grows older, he will not abandon it. Um, I, wish that was a, I wish that was like a guaranteed formula. <laughs> I wish it was. That'd be, that'd be awesome. It's not. Proverbs is about wisdom and it's about tension and making hard decisions in hard, you know, at hard times in life. But here's what I know, and I know this clinically based on neuroanatomy and all kinds of stuff, that we are adults and our childhood years are deeply imprinted within us. In fact, they're so deeply embedded in the brain, they will never go away. Never. Because that's how your brain works. And God made your brain that way. He made you to remember. The brain doesn't do massive dumps of information randomly because that's, you know, the brain's tired of holding all that data. So it just offloads you know, ages 5 to 17. It's gone, vaporized. The brain doesn't do that. It keeps that data. It's always there. And because of that, we have three functioning dynamics in our brains. We have a conscious sense of self, which is what you have right now, the temperature in the room, the tone of my voice, all these kinds of things. And then you have a pre-conscious sense of self. Where are your car keys? Well, all of a sudden, everybody's thinking about car keys right now. Okay, Welcome to the pre-conscious sense of yourself and awareness. But then we have the unconscious sense of self. Deeply formed by birth to five years of age, it is that curious, odd reflex inside of you to engage in a behavior that you don't even understand. And you repeat behaviors that you, in fact, don't even like. And you do it anyway. Okay? Our brains are fascinating. And it is the brain that God made us. You will not vaporize your childhood outside of, of uh, lobotomy and a other, few other medical processes on the brain. It's all there. And so, moms, dads, when you do train up in the child... Train the child in the way that he or she should go. That will stay with them. And for most children, that is something that they will not abandon. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen: Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. What do you think that means? Pop quiz, we're going live. Respond to my question. What does it mean? Foolishness is bound in the heart of the child. A Janice, except for, for your son, because he's absolutely perfect. So he's the exception here. But what do you think? Foolishness is bound in the heart of the child. What does it mean? What's that? All children are born with an endemic nature. 
good. I like that. All kids are born with, a, with an Adamic nature, meaning sons and daughters of Adam. Yeah, Michael? I said their front lobe hasn't developed yet. Till when? Mid-30s. Actually, mid-20s to later 20s, but you're spot on. Yeah, yeah. You're spot on. You're good. You're good. So how old are you, Grace? You're a genius. It just kicked in. You're awesome. So anybody else? And what does it mean? Foolishness is banned in the heart of a child. Absolutely. Absolutely. So your brain is loaded with what is called a spindle neuron. I mean, there's lots of spindle neurons in there. And that neuron does something really, really unique. The neuron is designed to help you to master and refine certain behaviors. For example, I, I can have a hammer, a nail, and a piece of wood, and I can tap the nail and then drive the nail with my hammer, not give you any verbal instructions, no written instructions, hand you the same stuff, and you could drive a nail in. That's called a mirror neuron. Monkey see, monkey do, mirror neurons, okay? But spindle neurons are something very different. That's the neurons that kick in in Joe Summit when he plays the guitar, but he plays it really, really well. That's because he's done it so much, or calling on the keyboards. He does it so much that he gets really good at it. All right? Foolishness is bound in the heart of the child. They haven't learned, but the rod of discipline will remove it far, them, far from them. In other words, children need motivation to learn to grow and discipline themselves. You'll appreciate this one. Be wise, my son, and make my heart glad so that I may reply to one who taunts me. Uh, this, this may be a little sensitive, and, and I've always, you know, something I've really struggled with, with Andrea and, and Rebecca and Catherine is what many preacher's kids face, and that is that they feel like they've got to obey because if they don't, they make dad look bad, right? And remember all the jokes, the worst kids in the church are who's? The preacher's kids. You know, that's, you're laughing because that's what we've all heard, and um, oftentimes it can be really true. And I've really worried about that, and so I have, I have done something. This is how I've chosen to raise my kids, is I gave uh, Rebecca and Andrea and Catherine permission to disobey. <laughs> I, I know that might sound strange. I gave them permission to do that because I didn't want them to feel like I am legalistically binding them to something and that their motivation to follow God is that don't shame daddy. I don't think that's healthy. I told them that they are free to obey Jesus because it's the right thing to do, not because of me. I want their motivation to follow Jesus to be something that comes out of their heart, not negatively motivated because we can't make dad look bad because the deacons are going to get all over him and then there's ugly deacon meetings and we all know about how those play out. So I really wanted to be careful with that. And I'm, and I'm so blessed to say that Rebecca and Andrea and Catherine are all followers of Jesus after 40 years of the ministry. And as far as I know, they're not insane in any way that I'm aware of at this time. So they're amazing, amazing ladies. And, uh, and I, 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 am, I am blessed beyond anything that I can imagine. But, <laughs> you ready? Children, Dakota, Simone, everybody, Mason, all of us. All of us. I want you to appreciate that how you relate to your dads and your moms can help calm his heart, help calm her heart, because there probably is somebody taunting them. There probably is somebody saying, oh, you're one of those Christian families. Oh, you, you homeschool, right? We all know about the homeschooling deal. Or I don't care what it is. Pick your issue. But for a Christian mom and a Christian dad, it's very common that somebody's taunting them. And talk about something that can set mom and dad's heart at peace is to have a godly child. Because it's almost what, it's like what Jesus said when Jesus says wisdom is vindicated by her children. Wisdom is vindicated by her children. In other words, 
okay, the, the Pharisees are attacking Jesus. Jesus is great. Look at the consequences of my ministry. Wisdom is vindicated by her children. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are clean. You think that's proof enough? Wisdom is vindicated by her children or by the consequences. Got it. And for a dad or mom to have a child that follows Jesus, it helps mom or dad silence those that accuse them. I just think that's powerful. Children, you have an ability to bring a joy to your dad and mom's heart that is just amazing. The rod and a rebuke give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. Rebecca, do you remember, I'm putting you on the spot, do you remember the first time I told you how powerful you were? You were little. Do you remember that? I remember the first time I remember being Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always told Rebecca and, and Catherine and Andrea how powerful they were and that they have tremendous influence inside of them. And it is true. When a child gets their own way, all the time, what happens to the child? Answer, open mic. What happens if the kid gets their way on everything? Spoiled. spoiled. What, what is a spoiled child? Somebody you don't want to be around. Somebody you don't want to be around, very good. As a child or as an adult, and especially as an adult. Anybody, what else? When a kid gets their own way, what happens to the child? They, they expect to get their own way every time. Every time. It's like... You know, they've been raised that way, and as an adult, they expect that to continue. Do you know they're really hard to be, it's hard for, for them to be a good employee? Bosses have a hard time with those kinds of people. I'm not sure who the creative person was, the wordsmith, but he said, our kids need a lot of vitamin N, which means no. <laughs> vitamin N, I, I don't know who gets the credit on that one. Proverbs 29, 17, correct your son, correct your daughter. And he, she will give you comfort. He will also delight your soul. All right. Let's move this to life application. What we're going to do with our kids and how we're going to um, uh, live out the wisdom of God as a family. By the way, uh, you might not be married and you might not have kids and all those things. Uh, Listen, children and teenagers still need you. They need you. And you can be a tremendous influence on people. So let's look at this uh, kind of in a plain way. You are the gifted body of Christ. All right. I want you to take ownership of this stuff. All scripture is inspired by God and beneficial for teaching. We've got to teach your kids scripture. We've got to do it. All right. You're the church. How do we live this out in a culture of tremendous tension? with what's happening with the Equality Act, how that's going to affect small businesses, nonprofits, the church, the public school system. My granddaughter Caroline is precious. Precious. Means everything to me. When she goes to the bathroom, I don't want a predator going in there with her. This is serious stuff. This is where we live. Okay. We are the body of Christ. Take ownership. How do we live this out? Those on Facebook, please. Uh, those on the, on the app or the website, please take Stephen. Comments, questions on how we live this out as the body of Christ. Matt. Any logical adult could think that 
you should be making life-changing decisions at that age. No matter what you believe, if they wanted you think people can do it later in life or whatever. But like, we've all been children. Like, I was not a smart child. I'm surprised I made it to this age. <laughs> I've driven a car off a cliff. Up a cliff. Off a cliff. Which is oh, off times. a cliff. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to jump off the roof of my house constantly. Like, my brain was not equipped to handle decisions like that. And the fact that there are other people in this country who are actively advocating to give power like that to someone who has zero ability to, to handle that, it, like, it scares me, it kind of hurts, like, it makes me sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like, I can't, I don't think it's my duty to just say, well, I'll just keep things in my house the way they are, which I will do regardless. I mean, you know, we are always constantly teaching you that he gets older and more curious and stuff. God made you a boy. There are girls. And he did that for a reason. And you have a purpose. And they have purposes in lives. And there is logic to God's plan for us. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why he has set it out this way. Mm-hmm. So starting that early is, you know, everyone has to be doing that as Christians. We have to be doing that more now. But, I mean, we also need to be making ourselves aware of what people's political agendas are. And if they are running counter to Christ, I think it is our responsibility to defend ourselves against that. Mm-hmm. Not, That's good. You know, go out and create violence against abortion clinics <clears throat> and stuff like that. Right. But the defensive actions, and that means, you know, getting out and voting the way Christ would vote. You know, yes. there's no voting during yes. the emperor and the Romans' times. None. I mean, they might have said it was a democracy, but it was an emperor. And, you know, we have the unique ability that God has given us to be able to do that in our society today. Yes. And if we just lay down and let things run its course, um, God is ultimately in control, but we have to be good stewards of what he's given us. Yes, absolutely. In and fact, if we're not, then, go ahead. Uh, you know, I think we're, we're falling down on our feet. Yeah, Matt, thank you. Two critical things from that. Number one, uh, if the Equality Act passes and a child can have surgical reassignment processes done on them without parental consent, do you know what that means? That means that child is talking to someone about it besides mom and dad. Do you realize the influence that unnamed adult can have on that child? Really scary. Okay, so we've got to talk. By the way... Um, uh, a good friend of mine out of Fort Smith, a uh, distinguished military career, fighter pilot, I, I had a conference with him. And I, I said, Gene, what do we do? And he says, well, Chris, uh, get on your school boards. Get involved locally on the school board. And then, Arkansas, then the Arkansas State Legislature. Get on that legislative body. Get out of the salt shaker and, and get involved. That's really critical. So, Matt, thank you very much. Someone else on how we lived that out. Linda, I think you you gestured. I was just going to say, all it takes for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. That's all it takes for evil to prevail, for good men, good women to do absolutely nothing. Someone else? Yes, Kathy? Um, Kind of what you were just saying about kids are talking to other people. Mm -hmm. I think we really have to, no matter what age your kid is, you have to talk to them about identity and have to. identity in Christ, first of all. Yes. Um, because they are, even if they don't want to talk to anybody, they're getting these messages. And what they're getting <coughs> is that you have to be this way or you have to be this way. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's actually really, really important right now mm-hmm. to tell your kids who they are in Christ mm-hmm. and to tell them, do not let anybody or anything tell you who you are. Mm, mm, mm. Because we have kids that are going online, and even if they're not, they can be watching cartoons, and cartoons now are telling kids who they need to be Absolutely. and what they are. Absolutely. Also, um, 
I mean, our kids are in their 20s, but I still, anytime you have questions about anything, come to me or come to your dad. Um, because we, we are the home, home plate kind of thing, or yeah. the home, yeah. home base thing. Um, and the other thing that I would just like to, um, to just advise people to do is learn about child development. There's resources out there. Don't learn about the child development people are talking about, where they're saying that, you know, if you're 10 years old, you can de decide what sex you want. Learn about child development and the stages, because we're, we're putting kids into stages that they have no business being in. None. They don't understand these concepts at 10, 11, 12, 16. They just don't understand it. Their brain is not wired for that Not yet. ready. And um, I think, you know, if we are you know, working with kids in this capacity, we have to be careful, but we can also, if we have that knowledge of child development, it will help so much. That's so good, Kathy. Isaiah chapter 7 says there's a time in a child's life when he doesn't know his left hand from his right hand. And that's true. And we have to be sensitive to child development. That is so good. Remember that uh, in the fear of the Lord, there's strong confidence. And his children have a safe place to run to. When, when we are that kind of a parent and our kids can come and, and talk to us about things, I have clients at, at the clinic who, uh, who encountered very difficult things regarding sexuality and sexual expression as children, and they take it to their mom or dad, and guess what the parents do? They have a complete meltdown and then engage in shame at such a level that it, helps, it, it causes a destructive thing in the child's heart. And at that point, they're so scarred by that one explosion event with dad lost it, or mom lost it, that they carry that with them on into adulthood. And then hopefully they get referred to me. It's bad. It's really bad. Patch? The way of the life of Jesus, he understood the culture he lived in. Yes. And we have to recognize as adults that we live in a post-Christian culture. Yeah. To try to get back to something, I don't know if that's necessarily what my mission should be. The gospel itself is always a forward-moving thing. Yes. And as parents, it's important for us to latch on to that. Yes. And not latch on to, man, I wish we could get back to X. Yeah. A time and a place in the U.S. when the things that are normal now were not normal. Yeah, 1950. Yeah. Right. And it's not to say that 50 years from now things are going to be even more. They probably will. Right. And it's, it's appalling. It yeah. absolutely is appalling. Yeah. Our role should be to defend the things that are valuable. Yeah. And to put that into the lives of our kids consistently. Yeah. And to remind them that the world itself is different than the way in which we approach it. Yes, yes. And to yes. leave it a final comment. Uh, by the way, anybody online? Stephen, anything? Okay. By the way, a child does not need an iPhone. Okay? Don't get your kids iPhones. That is something that comes later when they're driving and, and they're at risk. Sure, they need a phone. And you don't give a child an iPhone and they're not, they shouldn't be allowed. This is, this is my very humble and broken opinion. They don't take it to the bedroom with them. You keep it. You charge it at night in your your station. It doesn't stay with them at night. So, David? This is uh, also the craziness of this whole idea. A person cannot buy tobacco or alcohol until they're 18 or 21. Right, right. But they're going to let a child decide what they're going to do. Right. A permanent decision that ruins yes, their body yes, for yes. the rest of their body. Yeah, it's very serious. And, again, if you do the research... From the clinical perspective, uh, the, the cases of depression, uh, particularly depression and suicide, absolutely spike. They go off the charts when, when, there's, when there's a radical altering for any reason of your body, by the way. Any reason. 
Uh, depression typically follows that, and even SI. So it's very, very serious. Okay. We can, what's that? Yeah, an aspirin. Yeah. You have to have parental consent to give aspirin to your child. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I, I want us to, to appreciate this um, that you all have an amazing ability to influence your kids. And if we're going to be men and women who follow the way of Jesus, and we're going to be people of true wisdom, then we have to understand we have to teach our kids truth, biblical truth. We have to. We can't farm that off to the church and let them do it. And by the way, there's some churches doing a great job of teaching doctrine. And there are others. It's more important to have good sound and good smoke machines and the lights and keep the kids happy and play the games. And as long as we're having fun and our numbers are up, it's a good church. And the answer to that is not at all. Not at all. It is the family. It will always be the family. Stephen? Yeah, Philip Beer says, good morning, Christ Church. My dad said something wise to me a few years back that really shaped my view of parenthood. The goal of being a parent, um, the goal of being a parent is to change the child's dependency from the parents to dependency on God. Yes. Um, he says, Stephen and I have been going through a study called Boundaries by Henry Cloud. In discussing boundaries between parents and children, pay attention to the development of a child's growing freedom as a mature. Mm-hmm. It's important that the parents are guiding their kids as they form their identity. Also, spiritual agape love and support towards a child is the foundation needed in order to speak into that child's life. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Stephen. I know we could go on for another hour. We'll have to stop. Um, remember that we cannot reward a child for a responsibility they refuse to face, and we cannot reward a child if they, if they literally uh, are, are unwilling to, uh, to do the right thing. We, can, we cannot do that. So, or I, I, I need to pray the hour's late and we have, we have so much more to do here. Abba Father, I love you and I thank you. And I thank you for each person that's here and the way that your love and your kindness is revealed to them. Thank you so much. Uh, Father, we need you. We need to push back from the table that you would turn over. We need to repent and we need to say, hey, we've got to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. We have to have a clear conscience before the nations. We have to be the people that are considered a peculiar people, different than the world around us. And this is reflected in our individual walks, our marriage and marriages, our children, how we raise our kids and our grandkids. Abba, Father, please have mercy on us, O oh God. And, uh, Thank you for men like Stubby who have the guts to, to, to bring your word into Congress and into the House. Please, please have mercy on us, O oh God. Thank you for Jesus, the gospel, that he has made a way for us to know you again to be restored to you, to know the new birth, the forgiveness of sins, and to be given the gift of eternal life. Well, loving, I thank you so much. Please bless right now as we worship you in Jesus' name, amen.